Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to episode 23 of the Chalk Talk Vitality Fitness Podcast. As you can tell, got a special guest today from episode 7, Steve Pinkerton. Welcome that back. is 16 episodes before I was asked back if anybody's keeping track. You said 16. That, you said the first time we recorded it after we finished, you were like, well, just you can expect me back on episode 27, so I knew I had to get you back in before, <laughs> before episode. We, we won't talk about uh, downloaded uh, listens per episode oh, yeah. because we'd hate to tell you that episode 7 was the most downloaded listen to episode of the podcast. Yeah, if, you're talking, true? if you're talking about streams, wow. Well, I don't know why else you'd, you'd quantify what a metric would make sense other than streams, he's, but uh, he's, continue. He's got it locked down. He does. He actually does. Like, uh, we'll see. The numbers will tell after this episode. The only, yes, they will. The only like close contender has been Jess's episode, which makes sense. And it's funny you bring that up. Uh, before we dive too far into this, I believe that my integrity was questioned when you guys went to fact check what I had said about Jess doing her morning workouts. Oh, yeah, her morning, yeah, her morning walks. Now, yeah. as a host and co-host, I guess I'm a little disappointed in the framing of the question because when you went to confirm or deny this, you negated to ask her, it's not currently what she's doing. It's did she ever do this in the past? Oh, okay. So when you the phrase the question, are you doing this? She said, no, no. I am not, which is no. true. Okay. But what she did not exactly clear up yeah. is, was this something she did in the past? And that is an absolute 100% certainty because we had this conversation because I would be sleeping and she would be doing burpees in our living room and it would the whole house would shake. That's not a weight joke. Yeah. That's just the way, the way that the, the structure was built. She's a sturdy gal. But, so that was an absolute... Fact. And so if you and, have her back on here, I'd like you guys yeah. to, to make a note and to bring that up and say, at any point, did you used to run three miles, do 100 thrusters and 100 burpees in the living room before you go to the gym? Because okay. that would clear this what up. What were the thrusters with? Oh, she had dumbbells. Oh, sure. That she kept under our couch. Mm. I mean, who does that? Yes, I, I have a question. Um, tell us about, uh, I believe it's Pinky. Was that the name of the dog? Penny. 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 I'm so, sorry. Penny. I'm not obsessed with my boss's homework. <laughs> I can just remember the name, and I don't know many people who know. There's not a whole lot of dogs. Dog named Pinky. Pinky, but okay. <laughs> so what about what about Penny? What's yeah. So Penny that? wasn't exactly the you know. And, and, and look, it's not about who was right and who was wrong. But if we want to go down that road, I had told my entire family that one of the worst decisions we could make as a family would be to get another dog, um, and. After weeks and months of me coming home from work to all three of them, Jess, Reagan, and Charlie, on the couch, on a laptop, looking at dog videos at night. So our morning, our nightly routine would, would usually involve some type of Vishla video, puppy video, Vishla. that they would watch before we'd go to bed. Vishla. So after months and months and months of me explaining that this wasn't the right time and whatever, I... It was quickly understood that this was going to happen, so I went and got a Vishla from a breeder in uh, uh, Raleigh and brought home Penny. And it just wasn't a, it wasn't a great fit. Um, you know, Vishlas they they really they they tend to 
matched to one person. So Abby, for example, our, our, our initial dog, when I deployed... That's, about, that's yeah. what I was asking about. I was asking about Abby, the I initial thought, dog. I, I forgot. Yeah, I didn't know that. I thought... like well, you're really bringing up... I mean, this is dark stuff. I mean, you're, this, is, this is the dog we had to give away. We gave it away to a... You uh, gave Penny away. We gave Penny away to a veteran with... Um, with some issues, and this became a service dog. So cool. uh, that worked out really well. well. At least you did some good. But would you like to talk about my first dog? Yeah, that that's that's what I was in the picture yeah. with Ray. Yeah, the one where you look really miserable. Yeah, yeah. So that dog, Abby, when I deployed for the second time, I don't know, first or second time. Oh, it was the first time. Uh, I got that dog for Jess out in Twenty Nine Palms, and um, so for the first six seven months of that dog's life it was just jess and it was just abby oh, every boy. second of every day uh and so yeah it was a great dog uh but uh they they really do they they, they match to one person they're not a they're not a they're not an amazing family dog because mm-hmm. they really they they, they uh just cling to the, like the they, one that yeah, feeds her they cling to that one person and i think it you know penny just didn't have that so anyway did that did that dog ever uh like try to make him try to make a move at you. You know that dog knew me and me and Abby. We it was uh, an understanding. We had an understanding. We went through a lot. And, uh, <laughs> we, that my discipline tactics and Jess's discipline tactics are extremely different. And I think Abby figured it out very quickly that uh, you don't mess with uh, you don't mess with the big guy. So you gave you gave Penny to the better. To be a service dog. Yep. So they they got matched to it was actually a Marine veteran, and um, we set it to a service uh, group that trains it, and uh, uh, it has been a, it's been a really good transition. That's a lot better. We sold our cat in the yard sale. <laughs> well, actually, we didn't sell the cat. We sold the the carrier for the cat, and you had to buy the cat. Was the like, carrier was, was five dollars. The cat was free. It's yep. a two for one it's deal. It's a bad cat. Bought the carrier. It just ate everything. It would jump on the table. Take burgers off the plate, the whole thing. It was a fat cat, bad cat. Reminds right. me a little bit of Agnew around the gym. I mean, is it kind of? Really I can see the connection. Kind of like a boat without a rudder. Yeah, just kind of <laughs> going. Just going. <laughs> like you're going wherever the wind takes him. Hey, man. But now, I think we got to get to some serious business. The opens around the corner. It is. Mm-hmm. Steve, talk to him about the intramural open. Man, the intramural open. I, I we have been looking at doing this for a couple of years, and. Uh, it just the open comes around at a tough time because it's right after the new year so you get january and things are pretty busy and if you don't start to plan this uh early january you kind of get behind the eight ball and uh so we made a a, a kind of a snap decision this year we sat down with a couple of the coaches and i and i kind of yeah, laid I, out I, was, I wasn't at that meeting <laughs> you didn't make it nope did, you, did you get the invite? You didn't get the invite? Nope, didn't get the invite. Oh, you check yeah. your spam. You yeah. have a spam issue. <laughs> for the uh, record, just for the people to know, didn't make that meeting. <laughs> uh, so we sat down. I, I kind of briefed what I thought the plan would be, and I wanted people to punch some holes in it and just kind of see, does it, do we think it's going to make sense? And uh, we, we decided that it was going to be a good, a good year to start it, so I'm, I'm excited. So the way this works is very simple. You're going to have a... Uh, a number of athletes from the gym that sign up for this intramural open and we're going to split them into four teams so we've got four team captains you've got Ileana Thomas Sackler Ileana Batistas Donnie and then uh, you've got Shadi so those four captains once we get a list of I think we'll be close to 80 to 90 uh, athletes signed up from the CrossFit side and 
it'll just be a very simple round robin draft. Um, it's not going to be a you know it, it's not one of those things where uh, it, it, there's a huge rhyme or reason. It's just going to be a, a pool of uh, RX men, and they'll go through coaches or captains will go through and pick one of each. And they'll just cycle all the way through until all the males are on a team, and then all the females and all the scaled males, scaled females. Uh, the coaches are going to be part of this. You're so. doing scaled male, right? Shoot, I'd be lucky to do scaled male. <laughs> trying to get healthy. And and the, the deal is, you know, Friday night lights stay the same. Uh, they're going to come in, and they can complete the workout any time, any class. Uh, but we're going to emphasize people to come in and be a part of that team. We're going to have team yeah. jerseys. Uh, jerseys? I say jerseys. I caution you guys. I don't want a, a, a stampede at the front desk. We're not actually getting more of Nate's blue East Bay jerseys. Look, man. Heck These yeah, jerseys man. will actually be T-shirts uh, with team colors. A, a jersey. Like a, a jersey. Yes. Yeah, okay. So it's primary colors. also orchestrated by Nate. <laughs> um, some Nate can confirm, but it looks like a blue, red, a green, mm. and we went orange. Orange. Yellow was a no-go, so orange. Uh, and, and that'll be a really cool kind of uh, atmosphere when you can kind of see what teams are going head-to-head with each other. And it, it's all individual, yeah. but you're getting points for your team. Team, so they'll be different. team effort. Yep. You'll be, there'll be different scoring uh, options available for who shows up at, and who completes the workout. And we'll have a ranking system for, you know. People wearing their shirts at yep. the event too, right? Yep. So it'll be really cool. It'll just kind of switch things up a little bit. I'm excited about it for this year and, and kind of see how year one goes for us with the Intramural Open. Yeah, I definitely encourage anybody that's either new to the CrossFit side or even an Evo fitter, like at least come out one Friday night and see this. It's one of the most electric things that we ever do at the gym. Um, so many <coughs> so many memories of watching Steve suffer hmm. on Friday Night Lights before before going. One of my first ones that I remember, one of the most distinct ones that I remember, uh, 15-5. The row? 27, 21, 15, 9. I was in boom. Rowing thrusters. Rowing the thrusters. And we knew that, I mean, obviously the thrusters were going to be hard for you, but we knew that you had a really hot shot to do well in that workout. Is that one of the worst ones you've ever done? You know, I think that over the years, the worst ones are the ones you're supposed to do good at. Uh, You you kind of put the most pressure on yourself. So I think you Uh see that, and it's a light thruster, and uh, the, the row... Higher calories, twenty-seven, twenty-one. It takes away from some of the smaller athletes. So, yeah, that was that was one of the most painful ones because you, when when people put expectations that you're supposed to do good with something, you, it makes it even more. I guess there's more pressure. But yeah, that one hurt. That one hurt for a while. Usually it was like a fifteen to twenty minute recovery. I think that one was like a about a day and a half. Um, but I don't, you know, I don't miss that at all. Uh, <laughs> I, I, it's it's so much more fun now to, I mean, look, I still am competitive. I still enjoy winning at anything I do, but it just doesn't it doesn't make or break my day anymore. Where, you know, if you had a bad Friday night, man, it would ruin my weekend. Mm. And you know, so I, I I think that's the balance that you have to find is to, to have some fun with it and not take yourself so serious. I took myself very seriously for probably about six years too long. Six years too long? I think so. I mean, I think if you could relax a little bit and not put so much pressure on yourself to, you know, because what does all that pressure do? What did it, what did it, what did it do for me? Mm-hmm. Uh, you end up worrying more about it than it's not going to help you. It's not going to, it's not going to fix anything. It's just controlling your emotions. And, you know, I think I had control over my emotions. I just didn't have control over the amount of pressure I put on myself to mm-hmm. 
be successful or what I thought was successful in the sport. Out of all the open workouts you did, because when, when was the first year you competed? 2011. Dang. Out of all the like open workouts that you did, how many? Like, what percentage would you say you redid? Uh, less than half. Really? Less than half. When we first started, we didn't do a lot of repeats um, because it, it, back in 2011, 12, and 13, it was competitive. Don't get me wrong, but nothing like it is now. So you could put up a score, and you know you were taking 50 or 60 people from the the region. Yeah, that's right. You know, you kind of knew that. Um, and I and, and I had I had so many holes in my game that we couldn't take five weeks off of structured training to to build uh, around the open. We just the open happened, and hmm. uh, we spent that time working on handstand push-ups, muscle-ups, gymnastics because we couldn't afford to miss that. So we never really gamed the the open season at all. It was just we knew. We knew that I'd have a good chance of making it to the regionals, and then that was going to be the work we had to get ready to go to try and make it out of regionals. Nate, did you ever like? Did you ever like modify your training around the open? Because I never did. No, not really. I mean, I realized like it's kind of the same thing. Like, I wouldn't say that I had so many holes that I was necessarily worried about about going for because I, I I wasn't going to regionals or anything like that. But it, honestly, I just treated treated those workouts as you train like normal. You rest on Thursday. You wake up Friday. You you know wait a little later till Friday night lights, and you you hit the workout. You know Friday at four or Friday mm-hmm. at five, whatever. It was just another day of training. It was just a little more fun because it was the open. Yeah. To me, <laughs> I remember a distinctive memory, and I'm sure that you'll be able to recount this better than I will. But fourteen uh, five. Oh yeah, I got baited in pretty pretty bad there. <laughs> With the first set of 21 thrusters. I remember Beatty saying before, like, oh, no, you definitely got to go unbroken on this whole thing. And it was me. Or Lambert was behind me. I was judging you. Oh, no. Oh, the old place. Oh, old yeah, place. that was bad. 14-5. Yeah. I was judging you because it was 21. Was that 21, 18, 15, 12, 9, 6, 3 thrusters, yeah, thrusters and burpees? burpees. Yeah. Bar facing. And then we redid that. Redid that here, yeah. We did. That was, that was, first time I did that was pretty bad. <laughs> I remember telling Steve, that was the first time where I was like, Man, I want to do really well in this workout. And I was like, hey, put something on that's like, you know, upbeat. And it was a, he was like, look, man, in three minutes, you're not going to be able to hear the music. And from that point forward, I mean, I still like to listen to whatever I want to listen to. But from that point forward, if you're really hitting the workout like you're supposed to, you, you won't hear a song. You shouldn't hear a song. Is that part of your mentality, Steve, with the music you play in class? Yeah, I mean, I just think, look, I get it. There's a lot of people out there, these, this, this whole micro gym world that is is growing so crazy and it's all about the experience and it's all about the music and it's all about the environment and atmosphere and I don't know I mean if you had told me I'd have a uh, a boot camp inside of a facility six years ago I would have said you were crazy so I guess I'm not going to say that I'm never going to have this huge emphasis on music I just think that we get so wrapped up into it's like the treadmills and TVs like why who, what idiot decided they were going to put a TV on a treadmill? I like, think it's a great invention. It just doesn't make any, yeah, I mean, it doesn't make any sense. Who can, who, you know, who can concentrate if you're actually working out on watching TV? Or, you know, who cares if it's, you know, Taylor Swift on the radio or uh, Cypress Hill? I guess I just, I'm not. <laughs> Insane in the membrane. Yeah, I mean, look, I get it. And, and And the thing is, I think it's something that individually people have to kind of, work through and 
if you need that motivation and and then then great i think that it's worth it but i think that we need to create an environment that you can educate people on look we need to figure out that music and uh you know it's like the same guys that used to take their uh earphones and run at the old place and they oh, whenever we'd have a four meter run Anwar would put his earphones in <laughs> and you know and, and it's like man what happens when you don't have your earphones one day and we're so dependent on music to, to, to motivate us so I don't know yeah but I remember the old place I will tell you that you know we used to play that uh, Bob Marley before and that like when that yeah. comes on it's not like it, it gets me fired up. It just puts me, you can almost smell and taste and see that whole environment back. That, I mean, that was, it must have been like that for four or five years. Three little birds? That was it, man. And, you know, the other thing at the old place, when the open comes around, it's cold. It's mm-hmm. still cold. Oh, jeez. And, uh, and it was cold was in nothing, the old there place. There was nothing like that. And, man. Uh, it was an icebox. I remember before at like three, maybe 3.30, Whoever was going to do the that coach's heat at five or whatever four thirty, we were going to do it. We'd go out in our cars and we'd just sit in our cars because the cars had been the sun and the sun would be beating through that windshield and be nice and warm. And uh, you'd sit in there for like fifteen or twenty minutes and kind of warm everything up, and then you'd go in and start warming up and getting ready to hit the workout. So there was just those little pieces that, you know, it just there's something about having to go through it that way versus if you came over to this facility and started here and didn't have some of that. I think we we our culture would be a little bit different. And speaking of like the nostalgia of everything, if you guys haven't seen the banners that are downstairs, uh, on either sides of the turf, there's the open workout 13.1. The first time they did a live announcement for a CrossFit uh, open workout, where they did at our gym at the old place. Yeah. And how did that how did that come about? That was wild. Dave called me out of the blue and was like, "Hey, do you want to host an open workout?" And I was like, "Yeah, let's do it." And uh, he wanted to do the second week. I said, okay, cool. And then he called back like three days later and said, hey, we want to kick it off at Vitality. We want to be the first, we want to do the years the first week. I said, oh, awesome. But they had never done it. So mm. when they started planning it, it was it was pretty amazing. I mean, they the team and the amount of funding that they put into that. I mean, I remember they, they talked to Time Warner Cable and got us like some type of, it wasn't fiber at the time, but whatever it was, it was like a $500 upgrade for three months, and our internet was lightning fast. <laughs> and uh, and then we had Mod Paley at the time was doing some meals. Oh, man. And I'd, I had said, hey, we, we might have this catering company that could do some catering. And the uh, the lady that was in charge of the, uh, the budget for this 13.1 was like, oh, okay. I said, do you want a quote? Or he's like, no, just do it for uh, 280 people. And I was like, oh, okay. They had tents, they had bleachers, they had, they probably had a staff of 30 or 40 people that they had brought down from, out from California. It was a. Did you go to that? That's the thing I was wild. just about to ask because you went, I didn't go. Yeah. What was ben, it like that night? Me and Ben went. I mean, a lot was, of people. There was people like literally, I, and to this day, I don't know how I got a spot like in the actual lot. Yeah. Um, but there was people like parked all the way up to Dorida. Yeah, it was it was wild. Like, it was it was cool to see Dan and Scott and I remember I think it was they had like a handstand walk and Norm was doing or a handstand hold free freestanding handstand like a, hold or something. I like before Norm, the thing started, just like yeah, Norm was doing it. Um, it was cool. I mean, I was a kid. I mean, I was 
maybe 16 or 17, and me and Ben had just, you know, I've been doing mm-hmm. it, and me and Ben were after school. He would come over and do stuff in the garage, and so he got hooked on it. So we're like, bro, this is actually, you know, that was when you first get into CrossFit and you realize the Open. And back yeah. then it was really cool because, you know, they said regionals, and mm-hmm. it wasn't the super regionals. So it was it was crowded, but it was super cool to watch. And that's the thing I'm sure you can remember, Steve, back in those days, like you were saying with the Open not being as competitive as it is now. Like that's when like guys like me and Nate came to you and were yeah. like, hey, like we want to we want to get good at this. Yeah, and it's it's amazing to see how that sport has just the exponential curve that this thing has run with how got how good people have gotten. Yeah, I mean you gotta think if you look back to 2011 when we went to the Was it sectionals back then regional. No, we had qualified. I qualified for regionals, and I had been doing CrossFit for maybe six months, maybe eight months. I don't know. And um, I still had, like, if you look back at the shoes, I was wearing, I don't know, <laughs> Air Maxes or something. I don't yeah, know, I can't remember. Uh, and I remember going to regionals and just being somebody that had just started, you were able to just out of just the lack of people that were really committed to doing it. Mm. I mean, you finished in the top 10, and there now the gap between yeah. the top four and you know, five through 10 was enormous, hmm. but that's what it just shows you. If you tried to go to, if you took someone that went and has been, been doing CrossFit for six or seven months and you sent them to regionals now, they wouldn't survive the first workout. Yeah. You know, they wouldn't, they, they legitimately would not be able to survive it. So fail to complete it. it's just, it's, it's, it's come a long way. And, and I think that it's good and bad. I think it, it makes it a little different because it's not as inclusive for people to, I mean, there are just some people that no matter how hard you train, you're just not built. You're not anatomically built to, to, to be a regional or a games athlete. And and then if you don't, if you're not willing to put in a hundred percent of your time, mm. then you're just not going to be you're not going to be competitive. Where I was able to run the gym and do some different things and have a family and still uh, be somewhat competitive. So that those days are long gone. You know, but I got to see it from both ends of the spectrum. 2011, and then your last super regional, the first super regional. Yeah, man, it was a completely different set of uh, circumstances for sure. Because yeah, that's right. The last year you were at regionals, it was Southeast and Mid Atlantic yep. combined. Yep. That was. Nuts. I mean, if you had a slip up, you could slip up in the group of 2012 or 13. If you had a bad event, you know, you're talking maybe it cost you two or three spots. If you had a slip up at a super regional. You know, you're talking about, uh, you know, 20 spots, 25 spots, 30 spots for a matter of, you know, a missed, a missed lift or whatever it was. So, What's know. the sports deal? I'm curious. Okay. You want to get into this now? Yeah, I'm gonna, I want to get down. So if you, know anything, if you know anything about our day-to-day life here at the gym, we talk – well, I don't talk sports a lot. I, I get told by Nate that I don't need to talk about sports. I lost a $20 bet like two months ago. <laughs> Over where Marcus Mariota went to college, and since then I've kind of chosen to stay out of this arena. He also put ten dollars the other day that I could, from like fifteen yards away couldn't make like a ball of tape into the trash can, and he gave me three attempts, <laughs> and I hit it on the second attempt. Yeah, <laughs> what so, is he like? Yeah, I don't know what? why I do this to myself, but how dumb is that? You know, I believe it was Matt Damon and Rounders that said, Damon? "If you can't spot the sucker at the table." <laughs> You are the sucker. All right, so here's how we're going to settle some of the uh, we're going to settle some of this this debate and this feud over who's got the most sports knowledge at the table. I'm obviously not going to participate in this because I just don't want to make a fool of myself. 
But what I have here pulled up are the all-time leaders of regular season stats in the NBA. <laughs> all-time. All-time. Okay. We're going to go through some categories here, and we're going to see who can get most of these correct. If somebody ends up with some incorrect answers, it's fine. Okay. But the first person to get three incorrect answers loses. Loses. Okay. And I will omit some of these stat categories because they're irrelevant. Like, I think three-point attempts will be irrelevant. Free-throw attempts will be irrelevant. True. But things like field goal percentage and things like steals and assists and like that is all fair game. Sure. Field goal percentage. All right. To lead off, who is the all-time regular season points leader for the NBA? All-time. Yeah, all-time. And, and, and like one regular season? Season type, regular season. Totals, points. All-time points leader for a regular season in the NBA. What year was the start? I believe it's like it's all the way back. Like, I believe it's all the way back. It's got to be Wilt. <laughs> There's no way it's not Wilt if they were keeping track of... I, uh, I mean... You can't yeah. agree with me. No, no. I, if, if I had to pick, I would say... It, I mean, that would make the most sense. Either that or uh, Russell. Or the, the first, honestly, one of the first came to mind was Kobe. What's your official answer? I mean, I'll say Kobe just for... With three, with 38,387 points, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Jabbar? <laughs> I say it that way just to make fun of it. I love that. Wait, you said regular season. That is talking one season, right? Well, don't show me any other. Regular answers. season. Totals. So, but is Wilt not on there? That Wilt means- is in sixth. Wilt is in sixth. All right, well, I said Kobe was third, so I'll go ahead and take that one. Okay. But that's okay. But to be clear, I was th- I thought you meant like most total points in like one regular season. That's what I was thinking. And, and I don't want to bore all our all our <laughs> watchers and listeners. But here's the one thing: the caveat. Can we assume that it's, a, it's apples to apples with number of games played that they're using this? I don't even as know. As far as Wilt's even... seasons, yeah. Were the, were, does, did Wilt well, play? That, but, but he was the same was, number of games per season as he was pre ABA too. That's what I'm saying. You know, he's talking about total points. You're talking points per game, if you want to go there. But okay, there's my point. <laughs> what is the points per game? Points per game. Michael Jordan won. Wilt two. Okay, so actually, I won. That's no. points per game is is a direct correlation of the number of games played divided by the number oh of my points. Gosh. Yes. But so we're moving talking. forward, moving forward. With the, with the remaining categories, do you, want, do you guys want to do this per game or do you want to do totals? Per game. Because okay, per it, game. Oh, yeah, okay. okay, okay, fine. So we're, so so we're talking single season. Regular season. Regular, so I'm up one now. Season type. <laughs> no. Season type, regular season. Gotcha. All right. Next category. Most blocks per game in a regular season. Ah, incorrect. I'm not going to do that one. That was, that was, well, we'll, 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 call it, we'll call it a, a, a toss, but who are you going to guess? Matumbo. Yeah, I was going to say Matumbo. Mirasan? No, Mark I was Eaton. Just, who? Mark Eaton. Good call. Oh, jeez. Hakeem Olajuwon was in I was right. about to say Korea, or Hakeem. Hakeem. Okay. Hakeem the Dream. Steals. Gary Payton. Jordan. Alvin Roberts, the number one. Who was hired, Jordan or Payton? <laughs> I'm not. Well, Jordan's, Jordan's at four. Okay. Well, on steals? Jordan's at four on steals. So two, two nothing. Gary Payton was a defensive. The glove. The glove. Assists. John, John Stockton. Stockton. 
Magic Johnson. Stockton at two. Oh, my okay. word. Stockton at two. <laughs> oh, this is getting good. What if I would have said Magic? How mad would you have been? Magic Johnson. <laughs> All right. Rebounds as a whole. Rebounds per game. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna not think through this one too much, Barkley. and I'm gonna go out there and say Moses Malone. Wilt. Oh jeez. Is Barkley on there? He's a dark horse. Is I Moses on there? Barkley is not on the tip ten, and neither, neither is Moses Malone. Okay. Okay. Well, Moses Malone was the one of the, right. probably the best. What do you think? One more all time. Oh no, I think we I think might we, lose some. No. Uh, this is this is this is it. This is what the people want. This messes with my streaming, my downloads. I'm getting mad. Free throw percentage. Ray Allen or Steve Free throw, free throw percentage. Yeah. Steve Kerr. Stephen Curry, number one. Okay. Steve Nash, number two. God, yes. Ray Allen was pretty solid. Is he on there? Three point percentage. Ray Allen. Oh, that's, I mean, that's hard. Yeah. I'd say Ray... Well, you get one. You don't get yeah. seventeen. I said, I said, right. Three per three point percentage. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna go Steph. Steve Kerr. Steve Kerr. Seth Curry. Seth. What? What? Seth Curry at two. Steph Curry at four. Oh my word! I got one more. His yeah. brother played at Duke. He's in the three-point contest. Steph. Really? Him and Steph. Wow. Last one. Field goal percentage. Hmm. Gosh, I got two that I think would be good. I know. I mean, you, I don't want to go Wilt because that's it's an obvious one. Carl Malone. That's, I was going to say David Robinson, but I think I'd go Wilt. Say Carl Malone. DeAndre Jordan. Oh, my God. Okay. What kind of stats are we reading from? I think he's this is stats.nba.com. Okay. Right. If we want, if we want to verify. So can you just here. can you confirm that Dwight Howard? Can you confirm that the who won this episode? I feel like if you, I mean, I felt like you were Tyson Chandler. Yeah, Tyson we, Chandler we at three, to. Kareem at thirteen. Giannis Valanciunas. Yes. We need to <laughs> see, but if you see if you but if you change it to totals. It's still DeAndre Jordan. Uh, it's the same. It's really the same. But I think I think Steve I think Steve locked it down a little bit better. Oh, I, don't know. I mean, you were you were closer to the top. But the I, Steve Nash is that is a great hey. pick. Yep. I mean, no one would have picked that. Steve. Oh my! Come on. Unless I think you're actually watching the games, man. <laughs> and to wrap it up with the season coming around, with the open season coming around, I wanted to give Steve a few minutes to chat about. His training experience, and like we talked about, how much volume. We were talking off mic earlier about him going in on Saturdays after team wide by himself and freaking opening up the doors and blasting it. Yeah. And putting in a lot of volume. So we had a lot of volume from 2010 to 2013. It was a lot of training. And I think that that was one of the things we had to do. Mm -hmm. And I think if you want to be competitive in the sport, you have to do that too. But I think that the, the reality of this is 99.9% of us are not going to be competitive. We're not going to go to the games. So at that point, we just need to be a little bit smarter about the type of volume that we have. And it's a, this is an addictive, it's an addictive discipline. I mean, if you look at this gives someone an outlet 
and it gives someone the ability to leave here feeling so accomplished and so just in, in, in such a great frame of mind. I can see why people want to come six days a week and put mm. all this time in. But the problem you run into is with all the volume that I had, I also took a 25-minute nap every day. My I never cheated. I went, you know, whatever, 840 days without sugar, like legitimately without added sugar. And, I mean... I, I, I would travel. We would never go anywhere unless I could work out or find somewhere to work out. Hmm. Or, I mean, you, if you look at this, you know, I was, I was looking through the blog. I don't post my my training. I just keep track of it. In 2010, James Fitzgerald made me create this uh, blog so I could upload my training videos. I forgot and, that you worked with him. Yeah, so I did. And in 2010, I started keeping track of my workouts, and I've kept track of every single workout for the last nine years I got every workout in there it's like almost 16 or 1800 of them and uh, you know it's just on top of all of that there's also all this other work that I put in mm. there that you know allowed me to stay somewhat healthy and I think now I'm just not willing to I don't want to go back to those days of the high volume and and uh, and have to go back and be so strict with everything but when you're in it at the time you don't realize you really don't realize how much time you're putting into it's just it's just another day yeah then you get out of it and you realize wow i've got all this extra time i don't have to go back in on a sunday for a double i don't have to stay after class until three o'clock and warm up three times a day and you know so i think that that's the 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 middle ground that people have to understand is this does not have to take over their their life i think they just have to find that that fun part of it that they their bodies beat up they do something different for a day or two they rest they they focus on you know sleeping a little bit better there's so many different things that these guys can do mm. to stay healthy and sleep is probably the the, the, the first thing that people can change and then nutrition is probably number two yeah. and um, stress is number three and then you've got exercise so i mean if you really look at it I'm sure smart somebody smart has made this pyramid and mm. and has it all justified and, and backed up. But you know, it exercise is not the biggest piece of the puzzle. No. You know, mm. it's an it's a it's an hour out of our day. It's everything the 23 other hours out of our day that that are going to make the biggest difference for uh, for longevity. And I think people during the open, this is a cool part of it because they get they have something to look forward to. Right. They have something to train for and kind of you know. It's so a goal setting process yeah. with that. Uh, so it's, it should be fun. I'm excited to get some new people that haven't been a part of their fr- this Friday Night Lights and we'll see how it goes. You know, I think it's going to be a fun environment for sure. Back in those days, did Agnew ever hop in with you on some of y'all's sessions? Uh, no. Every once cool. in a while. Yeah. Every once in a while he he would, yeah. Not but, because we didn't want him to. It's just you know, I mean, I was timing. gone. Went for school. Really, when I did it, it would just be when I was coming back from school. Yeah. Um, we You know, we used to train. It was either early morning or mid afternoon. I remember so. doing? I, remember, I did some mid afternoons with you guys, yeah. and that was not a yeah. not a fun time for they these, bad, especially dude. in the heat. Man, it would be hot, and we'd be doing you know eight to ten four hundreds or mm-hmm. eight to ten eight hundreds or mile repeats or whatever it was, and it was just disgusting. I remember so. doing? I remember doing one k repeats out there on that blacktop with you guys, yep. and that was not a fun day. Yeah. But if you don't, if you want to have to wrap it up, do you have an example pulled up of an example day? Yeah, you know, we did. Um, let's see. I took a couple, kind of took me down memory lane. Uh, we did an AM 
this was back in May of 2012. It was Jeez. you know overhead squats where we snatched into our first rep. We did three by three at 250. And then we did three sets of 50 dubs, 25 handstand push-ups, rest two minutes between. Mm. And then we finished that AM session with 12.96, deadlifts at 315, box jumps 30 inches, rest 10 minutes times two. Ooh. Oh. And then our <laughs> PM session, uh, we had three workouts. Uh, we had like a seven-rounder of seven deadlifts, seven toes-to-bar, seven handstand push-ups. That's handstand push-ups AM and handstand push-ups yeah, PM. Yeah, and deadlifts is, AM. is that what it was like for you, really? Yeah, it was, was the it... things I was not good at we did all the time. There was no, oh, we deadlifted in the morning, we're not going to deadlift in the afternoon. No, man, it was, we need to deadlift three days a week, we need to do handstand push-ups five days a week, and we need to run all the time. God, so good Lord. It was, um, you know, it was like doing the things that you suck at every single day for like four years that's about what it was and that's what's weird like from like me and nate being like onlookers like if we like if i ever hopped in i was just like okay it's just it's just one workout like so i never knew that yeah. side of it yeah there was a lot there was a lot of volume in there man and then that that just doesn't include the hours and hours of warming up and then all the food and yeah it was it was wild that, yeah whenever i started Hopping in with you guys occasionally, I was just so annoyed at how old you guys were and how long it took you guys to warm up. <laughs> yeah. I do remember being like, I'm, pretty, I'm like, ready to go. Because yeah. <laughs> you, you walk in and you sit down with them and they're on their rollers and you're like, well, I guess I'll grab a roller. Yeah. It's like, I yeah. like they're going to be here for a while. Like, what do you want me to do? Yeah. Well, Agnew's getting a phone call. Thank you guys yeah, for man. tuning in to episode 23 with Steve Pinkerton as our special guest. Thanks for being on, Steve. Episode 23. This will soon be the most downloaded <laughs> episode of the podcast stay tuned i'll be back for episode 31 31 whoa he's calling shot calling shot he's calling shot well kyle might not be back by then so (laughs) we don't know what will happen with kyle in south africa we'll see you guys next week thanks boys all right